0: Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again, welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, coach and mentor, John
1: Opeliuski. How are you today, John? Hey, Tim, I'm doing well. I'm excited about today's episode. Yes, I'm a continuation of last week, this is this part two, uh, engaging and incorporating the next generation of leaders. And, yeah. uh, we uh, spent some time in 2.14 uh, talking, uh, introducing the subject. Actually, this is actually this is a third pod in a row yeah. that we are talking about this subject in one way, shape, or form. And we hope that communicates yeah. to you how important we believe it is. Yes. Uh, Jim, can you recap 2.14 for us a little bit? Yeah, we just talked about the
0: differences between the generations, that there's five generations now in the church. All the way from the builder generation to the the Gen Zs and, and what, you know, what is being born now is Gen Alpha even. But they're serving, they're living, it. and how, how the formative years of our life form our perspective on life and how one generation can say work and the other generation hears something completely different. I know that my yes. grandfather said work. He did not mean what I meant when I said work. He was, yeah. you know, a yeah. tough old bird and and come on to my house. We'll spend the summer working. I thought, oh, we're going to eat and have fun. Now, he meant grab a 2 handed sickle, go down to the swamp and clear it out during the swamp. And I'm, you know, covered in critters. And uh, that's he, he didn't mean what I meant, you know, but he taught me how to work the way his generation knew how to work. And then it goes on to, to really, we, we hold a bunch of younger leaders and ask them, what what would you say? to older pastors about your generation that they probably wouldn't know about you, wouldn't understand. We're going to be sharing this information. We get it at a a retreat uh, recently and now on this podcast and their answers were, were surprising in some ways and exactly what I expected in other ways. Mm. So the first one was that the younger generation, when they, when we say church and leadership, we might be saying growth and movement and programs and dollars and square feet and, they're not. They're thinking family room couch. They're thinking depth of relationship, not, not height of, of numbers. They, they really want to build discipling relationships with people. They're a little burned out that we've hired them to be ringmasters in a circus. They're a little burned out that we want them to be factory workers. To, with all More, more, more is the constant goal. When they meet with a, a leader, the leader just wants to know about numbers, not, not about soul, not about heart, not about vision. And so uh, th- those that are done with youth ministry and thinking about moving on to senior pastoring, when you ask them, what, what does your church look like? They have the most common answer is, I don't know, but it doesn't look like the church I just quit. It looks like something different. And one of them, I love it. He said, I'm so tired of skinny jeans, smoke machines, and Krispy creams. I don't want to see any more promotions until everybody knows everybody's name. You know, I, I don't value that. My generation doesn't value that and uh, it's a pivot right it's a pendulum shift i remember as you do too coming into ministry about the same time where that transition from hems and suits and ties and organs to you know choruses and blue jeans and all that kind of stuff we fought for that and, and we there's a revolution that came and millions have been birthed in the kingdom because we weren't the church they left when they're old enough to tell their mom they weren't going to church with them anymore but now right. there's another pivot coming in this generation and it's as sharp, if not sharper, a turn than what we fought for, uh, because they're fighting us now, and we're 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 pretty ingrained. <laughs> we may have decreasing results, but we're still sure we're right. You know that that's what our generation's fighting for is the the futility of repetition because it worked in 1984. Bless God, it's going to work again. Yeah. And so, just like we fought for change, this generation's fighting for change as well. Only this time, it's with, we're the problem. We're in the way, rather than we know the way. So, yeah, there's a substantial challenge out of them.
1: So the question that that you had posed to these younger leaders, I oh. thought was so good. What would you say to pastors who want to engage and enlist a younger generation? And the and the first answer was church growth is not as important as relational connection to this generation of leaders. Yes. And I thought that was such a salient point, an important yeah. reminder of how Jesus did stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, that it it comes down to relationship and discipleship yes. and, and, and helping people figure, I, you know, Jesus put the disciples in spots they weren't ready for. We talked about this last week too. Like, yeah. And we've, I think all of us who are listening probably have had one or two or more of those kinds of wonderful people in our life Yeah, who saw greatness in us that we didn't see and yeah. gave opportunity for that, even though it was well underdeveloped, you know, that's, yes. that was very underdeveloped. <laughs> Gave us an opportunity. And, uh, and so we're so grateful for that, Jim. um, I'd like to unpack the other two insightful answers you were given to this question. Um, Take it away. What were, what was the next one?
0: uh, Yeah. So the the next one, the next one was they want spiritual parents who truly care about them, not just a boss who cares about results right now. There's a misunderstanding when we say, when we say souls or numbers or growth, what they hear is process and not people. They they hear they hear results, not relationship. And what they would really rather have is a mentor. I we, we jokingly say sometimes I'll say with my you know, our our friend, mentor, and tormentor John Obeluski, in the introduction. Well, I, I think that a men, if a mentor doesn't occasionally torment his mentee, he's not mentoring them. He's complimenting them or she is being kind actually too kind i think sooner or later you know we we have to have somebody tell us where we're wrong and so in this this sense of they they want spiritual parents which which involves compliments mentoring and at times tormenting them to to be who god made them to be but they they don't want it because of performance they want it because of a depth of relationship so let me just say this if you're going to go out and and take something to the post office and you have a young staff member a young volunteer a teenager who volunteers in your sound booth. You shouldn't go to the post office alone. You should say, "Hey, yeah, I'm running to the post office. You want to go with me?" And, and in doing that, suddenly you're not a figurehead. You're not an authoritative position. You're a person who, when they get in your car and they see that your car is trashed or not, they'll know more about you. When you when someone cuts you off in traffic and you say, "Jesus bless him," or you use Jesus's name in some other way, they know more about you. They're more connected to you. When when you say, "I'm getting a coffee. You want one?" That You elevated them to peerhood. That They want mm-hmm. someone to see them, know them, soothe them. They, they won't trust you until you've earned that trust because you have a position. That might have worked for our, our grandparents. It certainly worked for my parents. It works to some degree for me because I'm military. But those who aren't in the military, they don't care what your rank is. They care whether or not you care about them. So you have to earn that right. So some of the answers, this is another young man here. Um, who, who mentors a lot of young people? He's at our our like our master's commission program, our ministry academy. He says this. He says they need fathers and mothers who are full of grace and who see God's finished work in them, especially when they don't see it in themselves. They yeah. they they want people that are going to love them no matter what they, that they can be honest with. Man, I got this smartphone. I looked at porn. I don't know what to do. Like they, you need to be that close that I, I'm I'm in this relationship right now and I don't know how to get out of it. I'm in this. This job right now, and and the boss is abusive. I don't know what to do. Man, I I really have these goals and dreams. I'm just so lazy. I can't get out of bed. You have to earn the right to speak into those situations. That's not, I'm a pastor, so I get the right. So you have to earn that trust like any friend would in this generation. Another one, Brendan, he's probably in his mid-20s, married, has a kid, he's on a worship team. He said this, he said, we are hungry to learn, so let us listen and ask questions. Be vulnerable and transparent with us um this generation does not want a sage on the stage it wants a guide by the side it it wants a a a father in the best sense of the word a mother in the best sense of the word uh brett probably brett's a little bit older but he works with a lot of young people says this just like children they will mess up expect it and prepare your reaction to it a good parent doesn't immediately find another child to replace them they take the time to teach with patience love and wisdom and then parentheses he puts and if that doesn't work fire them which i I thought was nice it was nice to give me permission you know don't just be so understanding that they get away with murder if if they don't get it that's okay but even in firing them there's there's reasons why and it isn't it doesn't mean i don't love you you know um being being picked last doesn't mean that nobody wants you it means that no one wants you on their team there's a difference between the two right so I set you up to fail. I accept responsibility for making this hire. I apologize to you, and I'm committed to you, regardless of your position in this organization. That is a far deeper, that, that's much closer to this generation's heart than, you know, it's binary. You succeed or you fail. You're in or you're out. It's, a, it's not a switch you flip. It's a dial that
1: has a yeah. lot
0: of nuance, but that dial is built off a relationship.
1: You know, Jim, it just, it just strikes me. Oh, the incredible amount of patience yeah this approach takes that <laughs> it, you there there there's a you know I, we raised you raised boys i raised boys yeah and um it, an incredible amount of patience required uh, to to do it well um and and so i think sometimes for for me i've just talked t- to myself here a little bit that that impatience gets in the way of this that yes i'm 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 expecting somebody to get it right the first time i'm expecting somebody to get it right after i've after we've worked through it a few times i'm expecting yeah. to not have to revisit certain things again and again i'm expect, you know and 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 then there is this there is this sense of almost a lack of the fruit of the spirit in my own life mm-hmm. where i'm not i'm not um, giving people time to yeah. develop and, 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 grow. And, um, and so, yeah, I think part of the, part of the answer here is what's going on, on, on the inside of me Yeah, as a pastor of younger leaders that, that man, if, if this is a, a point of anger and a point of frustration, if it, and I get it, you yeah. know, being a leader not, is not easy, and there are times when your staff will do things that they shouldn't do, uh, okay. say things they shouldn't say, uh, uh, not meet what a, a, a reasonable expectation yeah. would be of something, and you got to deal with all of that. I, I wonder, I wonder sometimes if if I lack enough patience to do this. Yeah,
0: and, and I think it's okay to ask that question. Do I lack the patience to do this? And yeah. if the answer you find is, is one you didn't want to hear, like, I do like the patients to do this, then find the patients or don't do this. Because mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons people are rejecting ministry is not because they're not called, not anointed, not trained, it's that they're not, they're not understood. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, things really have changed. The 20 the something year old Bible college grad or ministry academy grad that wants to get in that first position in ministry, very different than when you and I became youth pastors in 1938. You know, so it's, it's, uh, it's, everything's changed since then, you know? So I think, I think that you got to understand that before you can understand them. You know, we're going to pay them lousy. We're going to make them do all the things we don't want to do. We're never going to appreciate them. We're just going to criticize them. In in some ways that didn't, that didn't happen to us, but as it did happen to us, it didn't bother us. You know, we, if you ever did construction in in the eighties, seventies, eighties and nineties, like I did. And you were the new guy on the team. You were the new cop on the beat. You were the new soldier in the company. You got beat by everybody. I, you know, there was, you were, you, I, I remember we, we did construction. I was loaned out to every crew my dad would pay me, but he wanted me to you no know, construction. So I mean, working with bricklayers that need concrete or cement when they need it, mud dog, get your blankety blank and mud dog, where's the mud? I'm tired of waiting on you. I make money when you, you know, and that was, but man, you did that to this generation. Yeah, it would happen once. It would be considered abusive. It would never happen again. But our dads went to war. Their dads went to college. You yeah. see the difference? Yes. There, you know. I, I'm a, you know, the the blue collar world is really having a hard time finding good help. Maybe it's because you're lousy bosses, mm-hmm. not because it's a lazy generation. Yeah. When when they never get to put up the piece of trim, they only get to carry the wood and clean up the job. Well, you're not teaching anything. You're just using me. So I I. Again, we come back to this thought, they want fathers, they want, they want, they want a sense of, I mean, it's our third one, but they want partnership. They will do yeah. meaningful work when they feel like they're a meaningful part.
1: Yeah. So, so let's talk about that third answer, yeah. Jim, you you just alluded to it, but give, give me the full, give me the full yeah.
0: idea there. This is the one that's probably the most difficult for me personally, because I'm not okay. ready to give up a lot of what I get to do right now, but I... They're helping me appreciate the importance of it. And it's, it was this. They want a sense of full share partnership and ownership. They don't want to work at your church. They want to partner with you and God with their calling, with their gifts. Yeah. So um, Austin, young man in our worship uh, ministry here, uh, employee of the church says, giving them the freedom to try new things, letting them know that you trust them and being available for advice and help is is huge to his generation like being there we're going to try something new right now our our stage setup is different uh from october 1st to december 31st they put the stage in the middle of the room our our mm. concrete stage we spent 100 grand on you know what i mean that big time with that it's, it's not being used they put a boxing ring without without the ropes in the middle and so i have to i have to preach in the rounds so i'm a 360 degree turn you know why, why is that well because their thought was because people aren't getting to know each other they always sit in the same seats next to the same people and people want to know people in our generation. So we got to shake it up. Let's put them someplace. They've never been before. They have to meet people they've never met before. And, and I'm like, well, why are we making this hard? But, but we're not, we're listening to a generation saying, this is what we value. Yeah. We have a lot of young families. Another one, this is my, my son, Josh. And I think he may be talking to somebody uh, in Maybe. leadership, on my team, perhaps. It's he says, possible. He says you have to relinquish control. Parentheses, Dad. You have to relinquish control. The tighter you squeeze, the less you'll get. You have to give them the ability to lead, truly lead, not just give them the illusion of leadership. So you're in charge as long as you do exactly what I want you to do.
1: If not, I'll take charge. They don't want that. To. Is such a powerful statement. Um, oh I mean, all of the all of the statements that these young leaders made were were yeah. amazing. I love the insight. Uh, this one. Um, just, it hit me. It really hit me. Uh, not just give them the illusion of, uh, of leadership and the tighter you squeeze, the less you'll get. get. Um, I just thought that was so insightful. Um, you know, and again, I come back to Jesus and I think he invites us into partnership. Everything that we do is a joint venture. Co mission. Yeah, it, it's a joint venture between us yeah. and Jesus. He's not going to do all the work. He doesn't expect us to do all the work. He's going to do his part. Yeah. He yeah. won't do our part. It's there's this there's this partnership, and it's such an honor. I think about you said this. I think in, in episode two thirteen, several episodes ago, it's it's like the dad who lets his three year old son help him cut the lawn, you know, yeah. <laughs> and. Yeah. And you know, Jesus does most of the heavy lifting, but he he invites us to share that uh with him. And I think I what I'm hearing is that's the heart cry of these younger leaders. Yeah. We want that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and uh, I guess we did too, right? The the pastor that micromanaged us and wanted to everything we're gonna do and see our sermon notes and correct everything before we said it and represented the parents against us rather than us against opposition to what we were doing. We wanted that too. But I think sometimes we forget, you know, we remember, we remember basically the good things. And I mean, by that, I mean our behavior, but I remember when we were given a Sunday night service in Prescott, Arizona, and I saw this skit on Saturday night live, and we decided to replicate it by doing what was called the bassomatic blender. And we, we ground up live goldfish and had a kid drink it from the audience as part of a crowd breaker. And, you know, we had a blindfold, make a peanut butter sandwich, but we put peanut butter inside of a diaper and the guy took a bite out of it. and it, You know, and I, I, in retrospect, as a senior pastor, perhaps my pastor was correct in pulling me aside and saying, don't, don't ever just never, you know, I never got another Sunday night service for the youth. I was allowed to preach when he was out of town or in a coma or dead. But beyond that, I I had burned that bridge. But I, you know, now I recognize I was, I was appealing to a bunch of junior high schoolers and high schoolers, but, but he said, come into my room and minister to everybody. And I didn't know how to do that. And I'm grateful that he pulled me aside and said, you can't have people take a bite of crunchy peanut butter out of a baby diaper and, you know, retired missionaries. We lived at the same Prescott's where all the retired missionaries and pastors lived on the, the, the network campground. So mm-hmm. our whole Sunday night congregation, they've been all over the world serving Jesus since before my mother was born. And we're, we're, we're eating live goldfish, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. And they came out of the holiness movement. And I wasn't I didn't know what the holiness movement was, <laughs> but it, it probably had, didn't involve diapers. So it does now. You know, but yeah. we're wearing them. So, <laughs> yeah. So final thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here, 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 here's the deal. Yeah, I here, I I think I've all encapsulated as quickly as I can, but I think this: you have wisdom, but they have knowledge. They they really like they know the internet, they know social media, they know live stream, they know technology, they know how to reach their generation in a way you know you will never know again unless you listen to them. You have wisdom, they have knowledge. I think I think you should go to lunch often. I think you should drink coffee regularly. I think you should ask each other questions. I think mentors and mentees love those encounters when iron sharpens iron so trade trade your wisdom for their knowledge i'd say this to this generation i learned this a meal is 10 times more powerful than a meeting i'm going to lunch you want to go that that is a you cannot imagine the compliment that that they feel when you say let's go to lunch uh yeah. i i have i have the hello fresh meals i get two a week and one of my guys loves to cook so, hey, want, let's go home and make a hello fresh meal tomorrow. You want? I got an extra one. I got this. I was thinking about you. And I, so he'll, he'll go cook it for me. And we'll hang out. and We'll talk. And we'll, you know, it takes a full hour to cook the meal. You it, and come back. But it that means more to him than 10 meetings where I share my, my plans that I need you to do this and do that. And here's your to-do list. It just says you're a friend of mine. You're important to me. I, it actually doesn't. I, I guess I want to say friend because I don't want to admit this, but it, it means you're a son of mine. That's what mm-hmm. it means. We, those of us that are our age, John, we have to get rid of thinking we're everybody's sons and everybody's brothers. Those days are long over with. We're everybody's father now. They, they want their father to affirm them, to listen to them, to care about them. Um, I, and I'll say this along that line. The third thing is fathers and mothers get sons and daughters. Bosses will only get employees. The best of them will never appear until you love them apart from their job descriptions. You value them by giving them what's most valuable. That is you. Your time, your prayer, your questions, your answers to their questions, you're deepening a relationship that is that is not unlike Paul and all of his young mentees, Moses and Joshua, you know, all the biblical relationships. Jesus had disciples. Do you? Do you have disciples or do you just have friends? People that, that really want to hear from you but are afraid to ask, but if you invite them for a cup of coffee, hey, I'm going home to make some lunch. You want to get a bologna sandwich with me? That generation's never even seen bologna. They don't even know what it is, you know. So it, it, actually, it, it, it that's a good
1: thing. I, 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 <laughs> <yeah>.
0: <laughs> bologna, government cheese, white bread, and Kool Aid. Come on, that was my entire <laughs> childhood. I didn't discover mustard till I was in my twenties. Like this is this is awesome. So, and here, here's the, the the last thing. And I, you know, I say this all the time. I hope I'm not known for being redundant on this, but I think it's important. You know, name name five summers that have changed your life. Nobody can name five people that have changed your life. Everybody can. Last question though, those people that changed your life, how many of them are older or of a different generation than you? And yeah. the answer usually is all of them. Yes. And, and so I come back to this generation and say, it's our turn. And, and by and large, they don't feel that from us. They feel like we look at them with judgment, criticism, like they're lazy. They're not lazy, but they are, they are facing a tremendous different set of questions that require different answers and demands on their life than we had to face. They, yes. they have a cell phone bill. They have a cable bill. They have an internet bill. Their car payment is more than my mortgage payment used to be for a used car. The interest rates are back in the eighties again. Like we, they, they're, they're doing the best they can and they do so much better if we believe in them and not judge and criticize them because they're not what our best memories of ourselves are. They need fathers, not gatekeepers. They, they need mothers, not those who measure their performance to decide whether or not they're worthy of time. So if we do that, we got them. And I think we solve our leadership crisis over time. I think that then you know, when we're done, our churches don't become restaurants. They become lighthouses because we'll slowly trust them and slowly they'll trust us and eventually we'll get out of their way. And yeah. they'll inherit our life's work rather than disinherit it and have to start over again with something else. So I'm grateful Lord, for the people that changed my life, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and may it be so. May we do that. Uh, So, Jim, thank you for uh, sharing your heart these last two episodes and and really giving us your your perspective on this. I think it's been extremely powerful. And I hope that if you're listening or watching today, that you feel encouraged, that you Mm -hmm. feel challenged, that you feel like you have a couple of next steps. If you're wondering what the next step is, invite somebody on your staff out for coffee. That's yeah. the next step, right? Yeah. Uh, and and take this, you know, with all the seriousness, I guess, that we can give to it today. Because we, we care about uh, every generation, right? We care about yeah. all, all, all generations. We care about the work of the Lord and what God is doing to in, in our time. We care about pastors and their well-being and their health. Um, We care deeply about this subject. We wouldn't have spent three weeks in a row on this if we didn't feel that we're at a critical juncture. And uh, So we just encourage you and challenge you uh, to take this up, to do your part. Uh, If you'd like to talk with us more about this subject or anything else that's on your mind, by the way, you can reach out to us at convergecoach.com and select the contact us link. And that gives you 30 minutes with one of our amazing <clears throat> coaches or mentors on our team. Yeah. And uh, we'd love to get to know you, uh, learn a little bit about you to see if we can be of help to you in any way. Yeah. Um, but uh, please know this, that, that Jim and I do this not because We don't have anything else to do. We do this because (laughs) we do this because we believe in you and we want God's best for you as a leader in your personal life, in your professional life. uh, We are rooting for you. We're on your team, we're cheering for you. Keep going, keep putting one foot in front of the other as you continue to lead from alignment.